Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. And we'd like to thank everybody for joining us again for the Footballers Family Podcast. And I've got a special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, man, my name is Marcus Ogden. I'm a former NFL athlete. I actually played for the Tennessee Titans, along with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Ravens, and Bills. I live now in Fuquay, Berea, North Carolina, right outside of Raleigh. Well, you're just down the road several hours, but you're right down the road. Yeah, you know, only, you know, six, seven, eight, nine hours, somewhere around there. There's not a fast way to get to North Carolina from Tennessee. You just have to drive. Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, what I do is um, – I would sometimes play poker at the Indian Reservation Casino in North Carolina. You drive as far west as you can in the state, go through the Smoky Mountains, all that kind of stuff. And then about 10 or 15 minutes past the casino uh, is the Tennessee is the Tennessee line. The Cherokee, North Carolina. You got it. It's beautiful there. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Good people out there too. We, I went out there several years ago, but I'm, I, one thing about the football's family, uh, Marcus, is I like to uh, to know why you like football. But I, but I'm going to leave this open to you. You tell me your football story, and then we can go from there. So I ended up playing football starting as a freshman at St. John's College High School, Washington D.C. Was a two year starter on JV. Tried out for varsity my sophomore year. Uh, wasn't good enough to make the team. Went back down to JV. Went to play as a junior. I was not starting at offensive line. And to make it worse, my brother, Jonathan Ogden, was drafted that year in 1996 as the number four pick overall. When Keyshawn Johnson, Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice, Jonathan Ogden. So that in itself was just even more like, oh. So I almost quit football because I was so mad at my coach. Like, How dare you not start me all that? So I told my dad I was quitting football. My dad said, okay, son, I'm going to love you no matter what. But understand this. You're going to feel good today, tomorrow, maybe a week from now. But at some point, you're going to be like, why did I quit? How good could I have been? What could football have done for me? So I said, all right. Went back to my coach. Said, oh, yeah, Marcus, you didn't come to practice yesterday? That's okay. You were starting at D-tackle. But because of your attitude and your baby ways, I'm putting you now on the second team. So you need to get your butt here, work your way up the ladder, and you'll be starting by the time of the regular season, which I did. And then I had uh, played both ways as a senior in high school. Then at the last second, Jeremy, I got a full scholarship offer to play for Howard University and the Bison in Washington, D.C. Oh, by the way, my dad was a Howard uh, bison player in the 1960s and 70s so the bloodline continued and it was great phenomenal i was like oh if i get a year or two whatever that's great you know free education 
four year star, a four year starter. I ended up being drafted into the National Football League. I was actually the first, and I'm still to date the only offensive lineman drafted into the National Football League from Howard University. Yeah, and and I'm in Howard University's Athletic Hall of Fame. And my dad and I are the only father son in their 156 year history. I'm sorry, 144 year history that a father son is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Howard is not known as a football, uh, you know, powerhouse in in the sense of drafting. If for you to come out six round pick, correct? Mm-hmm. For you to come out out of Howard has to tell say something about what you were able to do. Oh yeah, I mean, I went to the All Star game that year, the Hula Bowl. Played against guys from Florida State, Miami, Rice, Texas, Chapel Hill. My head coach was Mac Brown, who oh, wow. actually had just won uh, the uh, the year. No, he, no, he hadn't won it yet. He won it the next year. Uh, actually, yeah, he won it the ne- next year. He was at Texas. So he was the national champion that next year with Vince Young. And because Vince was drafted uh, in that next uh, – in that dra- uh, uh, Vince was drafted, I believe, uh, yeah, 06. I want to say 05, 06. So yeah. he ended up winning the national championship. I believe it was 04, the Rose Bowl with Vince, Michael Griffin, Bo Scaife, Jonathan Scott, you know, uh, you know, all those powerhouses in Texas. So I got to the Hula Bowl, right, Jeremy? And I ended up having a great week of practice. Uh, the guy that I ended up blocking all week with no sacks, no pressures, no hurries, had four sacks in the game against the other team, playing against tackles like Jordan Black, who's actually a fourth-round draft pick uh, out of Notre Dame to the Chiefs. He played against him. My good buddy, Brett Romberg, who was the center for the Hurricanes at the time, played with Ken Dorsey. So I had a really great showing at the Hula Bowl, and that got me to get drafted uh, by the Jacksonville Jaguars and Jack Del Rio. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to hold that against you being drafted by the Jaguars, especially after last season. Well, we'll I, I I don't forget things. I don't forget year 2000 from, from the Ravens either. I don't. But you, um, coming out of Howard, uh, I'm not familiar with Howard. Was it a was it a uh, option team or a running power running team? No, football. They threw the football. Oh, they, they threw the football. Oh yeah. So my head coach was Steve Wilson, who played for the Broncos and the Cowboys. Uh, under Tom Landry, he was. A I recognize the name. Yeah, he's a cornerback. Steve was all aerial assault. I mean, he he was big. I mean, he liked his quarterback six five, six six. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, my my good friend Donald Clark came in with me at Howard was six five. Bobby Towson, who was our quarterback for two years when I was uh, starting right tackle as a freshman sophomore, was six six. Um, Ted White, who came to the NFL for a little bit with the Patriots, was about 6'3", 6'4". So Steve believed in throwing the football all day long. Like So at Howard, I got a lot of reps pass blocking uh, in the MEAC against other teams like, you know, Towson. We also played the SWAC like Jackson State. Uh, we played uh, Tennessee Southern, um, you know, one year. So, I mean, it was real Arkansas Pine Bluff one year. So we really got a good mix of playing SWAC, MEAC, uh, you know, some other 1AA programs. Uh, we played some great stadiums like, you know, uh, Chicago Bears Stadium, Soldier Field, but before it got redone up, the Colts Stadium, you know, on the turf. Uh, we got to play uh, at um, 
uh, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, old Curve Stadium when I was playing against like Bethune Cookman. So it's interesting, right, Jeremy? I remember. So my draft class, we had, I believe, you know, pre like you know back in the sixties and seventies era, right before they had all those rounds and all that stuff, right? And a lot of African Americans didn't go to predominantly white universities. We had, I think, the highest draft class of like black college players in the modern era. So you had Drayton Florence, who was drafted in the second round into, out of Tuskegee. Uh, Frank Walker, who got drafted sixth round to the Giants out of Tuskegee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had Vishante Shanko, who was drafted third round to the Giants out of Morgan State. You had Rasheem Mathis drafted in the second round out of Bethune-Cookman to the Jaguars. You had myself to the Jaguars. You had soon-to-be, I believe, Hall of Famer Robert Mathis drafted in the fifth round to the he, Colts. That dude was a beast. He had 26 sacks his senior year, Alabama A&M. Holy so cow. 26 sacks, right? And everybody said, oh, too small, too short, doesn't work. I mean, you know, just not going to be able to make as a DN. Yeah. One of the part of the 100, 100, 100 club sack group, right? Courtney I watched Van, him tw twice a year. He was not too small. Oh, my God. You know, Courtney Van Buren, O, o tackle out of Arkansas Pine Club was my drive class to the Chargers, right tackle. I mean, we had, you know, there were, there was, there was many of us that were drafted HBCUs, you know, Zuriel Smith wide receiver went to the Redskins. So we had a lot of HBCU guys that year drafted to the National Football League and and, and played for I me mean, for years. I got almost six years in. I mean, Rasheen got, I think, 12 yeah. or 13. Robert got what, 10 or 11? You know, I mean, there was some, you know, there was some guy, Bashante got one to the job to the for the Vikings and had a great career as a tight end with the Giants and the Vikings. I mean, we had some talent that year. In the, I in remember Bashante Shanko. That dude went nuts about four mm -hmm. or five years in a row. He just he was incredible what his mm -hmm. hands and his feet. And and from historically black colleges, uh you don't get the publicity. You don't, it's it's not D1. Oh, it's one, it's, it's, it's one, it's one double A, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 okay. Thank you for the correction. Yeah. If I remember correctly, and, and you might have to educate me on this, there was a, this was like in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, for the Steelers really brought the attention to historically black colleges. And uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, somebody like um, John Stallworth started, started the ball rolling with that. And, you know, just, you, know, you know who's a good guy, Jeremy, and I, I want to make sure people are, are right to this, is my good friend James Shaq Harris. He was the first quarterback African-American to start an entire season with the Bills, played at Grambling under Eddie Robinson. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So he was like one of the first. He was the first. So Alan Briscoe was the first African-American quarterback to start a game in the NFL. James Shaq Hedge was the first African-American quarterback to start a season in the NFL for the Bills. So, you know, around just like you said, like the 70s, you know, people like, you know, um, uh, Shaq. And then you had people like starting like, like Walter Payton out of Jackson yeah, State. Yeah. Right. John Stallworth. I mean, you started having some, some uh, uh, Harry Carson, uh, you know, went to Morgan State. Right. Uh, Will, Willie Lee. 
Willie having Lee. him and uh, LT on the same in the same uh, middle linebacker. Oh gosh, that 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 Giants right. team. Will, Willie Lanier. Willie Lanier. Yeah. Oregon State. Yeah. Well, what I love about Willie and Lanier, of course, I've only been able to see video of him, is he was not just brute force. He was intelligence with speed and with force, and that was what made that Kansas City team so nasty. Another great one, Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones, yes. Tennessee State. He's smacking that helmet. <laughs> the, 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 head, the head slap, right? So, and he I was mean, um, a late – I don't remember what draft. Late, super, super late round pick. Yeah. Super, like, like, like 13th round, something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and he that. played for – if you're listening to this, Deacon Jones is the reason the word sack is used with the quarterback. It is Deacon Jones' invention, which doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you had a lot of guys, man, Tennessee State, Jackson State, Grambling – uh, you know, uh, the, you know, the, you know, I'll say the SWAC, that's the SWAC, the Southwest Athletic Conference had more players, I believe, drafted in the 70s and 80s because yeah. of Eddie Robinson, Grambling, all that. And then the MEAC came in. Richard, to- Richard Dent. Richard Dent. My yeah. dad and my sister graduated from TSU, and I've got mm-hmm. to learn a little bit about that. And if I remember correctly, was Ed Tutal Jones from Tennessee? Of course, Ed Tutal Jones, Tennessee State. Yep. Yeah, I, Tennessee State uh, is one of those that that you know where I live. It is people love them, and if I remember correctly as well, Eddie George is the coach up there. That's correct. That is correct. And Eddie's an OSU guy, but he's done a great job. Bringing in that, bringing the guys in, and done a really nice job with recruiting. Did a nice job with the program. Uh, Eddie's a great guy. So, matter of fact, I interviewed Eddie uh, on my old podcast. At, uh, great guy. Just you know, uh, as a matter of fact, my brother and Eddie were in the same draft class. The, your brother and Eddie, and I don't want to talk about that too much, but your brother and Eddie had some wars, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, I mean Tennessee playing against Baltimore. You know Ray Lewis, you know hitting Eddie George in the hole. Yep, great picture. Yep, and so like you know, I mean, but again, there was a lot of you know a lot of great uh, battles won and played by both teams. But yeah, I mean the Titans, and you know it was just a lot, man. But you know the, the Black College really, really has come a long way with facilities wow. and um, and strength coaches and conditioning and you know uh, all that stuff so I'm, I'm excited to see you know uh, I mean Dion did a really nice job for us coming into Black House yeah. Jackson State I don't have any ill will against him going to Colorado they're now 2-0 I mean I mean everywhere he has gone he's made them a winner now now Educate me, because again, I'm I'm ignorant on this, and and I don't I apologize for being ignorant, but you'll you'll educate me. Um, Alcorn State is that considered historically black college? Yep, home of Steve Abagnale. Yes, uh, if I first came into contact with with Steve McNair, um, with the cover of Sports Illustrated, I want to say it was ninety. I can't remember the exact year, but it said give him the Heisman. And I was growing up, I didn't understand the differences between certain levels of football. Mm-hmm. And I thought if that guy is as good as he, as they make him out to be, why couldn't he be considered for the Heisman? And it turns out that he was better than what I thought he was. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, literally uh, 
changed the game at the quarterback position with his size, speed, his intelligence. Uh, I mean, his ability to to read the field, uh, lead people. Um, you know, he was just a, a true competitor. You know, he hit me, get up. I mean, he didn't know anything other than getting up off the turf when he got knocked down. So he was absolutely a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Oh, and and so you you played offensive line for Howard, correct? What what main position did you play? Tackle, right tackle, right tackle. You at your at your biggest, uh, you're, you're playing weight. What what was it? In college or the pros? Well, college. Let's, let's uh, go with college. About right now. About, about three thirty. Was that pretty? Was that a pretty good size for for Howard or for for? For the level that you were on, or is that is that? I mean, it, I mean, it's. I mean, I was bigger than most guys that play at that position. Howard across the conference, most guys were like 300, 310, But I was also almost six. I'm almost like six five and a half, six six. So I can get away with that. Now it's interesting. And side going to guard, guys were a lot heavier, three forty, sometimes three fifty. Uh, like I had a guy on my team who was a guard, my good friend Diggs and Corey Brown. How was 6'8, 360? I played guard. So I mean, I was very big for my size at tackle, but I also was very athletic. I could move well, I could pass block well, which helped me be able to kind of, you know, be able to you know, get a shot playing in the NFL. So that so your your size and your athletic ability translated, like I said, to get six round pick out of Howard to go to the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And what year was that? Oh, three. Jack Dario's first year as a head coach. I and I, I know you 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 will get it. He is one of the most underrated coaches that I've ever seen. Guy was a oh, good coach. Oh, oh man, he he got a raw deal in Jacksonville at the end. I mean, great guy. Unfortunately, back then, um, the ownership and some of the people in the front office were not as innovative as Shahi Khan is now, which is yeah. why the Jaguars are winning. Uh, they, I mean, I will give credit to Doug Peterson. I was not happy. I wanted Byron to get that job and get that position. But unfortunately, Byron wanted to have Adrian Wilson come with him, which I understand, you know, as a general manager. And they weren't going to do that. So he gave it to Doug Peterson. I will be the first to say Doug has done a phenomenal job with that team. I'm, I'm very excited about where they're going. Trevor Lawrence is making some moves. Uh I wonder when they're going to give him an extension. I don't know what that's going to look like because, I mean, Joe Burrow's got that huge one for two seventy five, and then he ended up, you know, having a quote. Well, but he's he's had historically bad first games last few years. So, and you know what though, I don't blame him. Man, it's harder for the football when you're getting the getting the crap knocked out of you. So I get it. But uh, I, I wonder what they're going to do with Trevor Lawrence, man. I mean, you know, they're going to have to. I mean, it's but you know, it's about it's going to be you know, after this year. It's going to be time to pay him. You know what I mean? Like you got to you got to bite the bullet. Do you think that there's going to be a cap one day on the price that you could pay a quarterback? Because that eats up. I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, but you know what? I always say I would think so, but I don't know because TV money keeps going up. Like you know, crime's now getting involved, and this thing called football or whatever you can watch football twenty four seven on this station. I mean, you can watch it on you know uh, you know anywhere. You can stream it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I saw like every major television station that broadcasts football, everybody's making at least $2.1 billion or you know, bringing in at least $2.1 billion in gross revenue, at least. That was the lowest. I think I saw some highs like $3.4 billion. 
So I mean, yeah, I mean, what's what's two hundred seventy five million, right? Of uh, you know, of three point four billion, and that's just one. As if you combine them all, it's close to like what almost thirty billion dollars. So what's two hundred seventy five million when you know the owners are getting a cut of that and splitting it equally? So and that doesn't include the stadium tickets, merchandise. Food just like charge, it's like, you know, that's 200% overpriced. You know, I'm going to the Jaguar uh, 49ers game uh, as part of the Jaguar Legends, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, day for like retired players, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I already know I'm going to spend at least $200, if not more on, well, maybe not because we'll get some free food, I hope. But I'm like, man, like food in the stadium and all that stuff, man, it's going to be all hyped up. Yeah. <laughs> uh I took my my kids. You saw one of them. She she came in here just a second ago, and she wanted hot chocolate. That's ten bucks for the and a, and a whole box of it probably costs like three dollars to buy like a whole box of that. And so you each, I mean, making what ten? I mean, it's just it's. But they know they can get it because you're at the stadium and you're gonna get hungry and you know they and they don't I don't even want to know what beer is I I don't even, I don't even want to know what beer is I I have seen of course watching Titans games before before recently before Derrick Henry really uh, I have seen so many people get drunk at games and you know I, I understand <laughs> I understand that's the only way to watch a Titans game but they're like fifteen dollars a a drink and and Nashville is low. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you gotta think New York's high, Dallas is stupid high, Miami's high, Washington's high, Baltimore's high. Yeah, I mean now because they're winning Cincinnati, it's it's, it's spite. Um, LA's always high, Vegas is always high. You know, and, and, and we pay it. And I, I was like, guys, if you're gonna get drunk, get drunk before you come to the game. <laughs> you know, yep. go get but you a twelve pack. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you get that for like what like eight bucks versus going and spend like. Damn near two hundred dollars to get eight beers at the game and like, and then being mad when you get home, like, why I spend that kind of money? <laughs> so you played, you played for what six years? You played for for Jacksonville, then you went to Buffalo, Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. Okay, Baltimore. Then you went to Buffalo, and then you went to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Fan wise, during what was oh six or oh seven, you were in Tennessee. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, the yeah. fans have gotten better over the years with yeah. Tennessee. But out of the three, let me make a guess that Buffalo had the most fanatic fans. No, Baltimore. Oh, Baltimore. Because mm-hmm. at that time, Buffalo was struggling. Bill's Mafia existed, but it wasn't as loud and aggressive as they are today. Nice. Nice. It it's always been there, hadn't it? Just just oh, not like it isn't. But they weren't like they again, because again, early nineties, they was all gung ho. Then from like, you know, after losing all four Super Bowls in a row, it went cold for years as far as you know, being you know, winning and getting to that next level and playoffs. So by the time I was there, it got really cold. Great teammates. I mean, oh man, I played with Great guys, Willis McGahee, uh, Sam Adams, Chris Kelsey, Ryan Dennehy, London Fletcher, Eric Moles, Lee Evans, um, you know, just, you know, Jeff Posey. I mean, you know, Jason Peters, who actually just got signed uh, today by the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, London right. Fletcher, I love watching him play. He was never flashy, but he was there every game. London Fletcher, you played with Willis McGahee. And if I remember the first thing about Willis McGahee was that championship game where he broke his leg. Was it was it or tore something in his leg? Towards ACL. Yeah, and they and they said he's not going to amount to anything. Well, he 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 did. He got drafted in the first round that year by the Bills. They took him in the first round after that injury. They made they made a good decision. Willis McGee. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh man, Willis was great. Willis was great, man. Willis was awesome. I mean, just yeah, you know, I had some, you know, uh, uh, you know, oh, um, oh God, uh, 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 Nate Hobbs, corner out of Ohio yeah. State, great. Yeah. Uh, I played with uh, 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 pretty boy Laurie Malloy, who was a who was a uh, Laurie could hit boy man, he could hit buddy, but we called him pretty boy uh, pretty boy lawyer man. <laughs> he was uh, one of the guys that I watched him hit, and he borderline dirty every time, and I would not want to be over the middle getting hit by him. Oh no, he yeah he he kind of played he played the game aggressively, you know. I wouldn't call him dirty. I would call Rodney Harrison dirty. Rodney Harrison, okay. Rodney okay. Harrison was dirty. Lauren Malloy would hit you in the mouth in between the whistle, and it'd be a good stop shot. Rodney Harrison would do anything he could after the whistle to kind of get you and get you mad and upset, and like he tried to do it, take a dirty a dirty shot at any chance he would get. So you would be able to be an offensive line. You'd be able to handle somebody who cleanly hit you, even though it's hard, compared to somebody who's dirty. Of course. Oh yeah, hit me hard all day. If you're dirty, I mean, I remember I got into a fight with uh, Edgerton Hartwell in practice. I was playing for Baltimore. He gave me a dirty hit after the play. I said, Edgerton, I'm going to tell you one last time, man. If you hit me again after the whistle and you try to touch me when we're done, we're going to have a problem. Like, in between the whistle, we're good. After the whistle, you try to touch me, you try to you know, try you know, you know, get under my skin, it's going to be a problem. I'm warning you, that's it. The next play, I was we were done. The whistle blew. I was trying to finish. I was finishing blocking him. He gave him an extra shove underneath the chin. Nope. I went straight in after him, and we went to a war. And then you saw me. I was in. Of course, I started it. Well, edge star, I finished it. Then you had my brother run over, 6'9", 375. You had um, Benny Anderson, six, who played for Buffalo, 6'6", 340, 350 at guard. You had Orlando Brown, uh, oh, six. Six seven like four twenty run over. You had Evan Mulatalo like six four three fifty, and it was just like this whole mass of offensive linemen running over to the pile, right? But again, I told Edgerton, man, don't touch me after the whistle. That's not we don't we don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Like just right. get your hands off me. And we had and he had to learn. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you were naming some names, by the way. And again, I don't, I don't want to hearken your brother. Because you know, I'm I want to talk with you, but I remember watching the draft when your brother got drafted. He did not look that big. He was he did not how how much did he weigh at that time? Because he looked thin as a rail. When he got drafted, he was probably about three ten, three fifteen, but he was also six nine. Yeah, he held it. He put it up, put up on a lot of weight, you know. After, you know, after, you know, after that, so he carried it a, a lot better than most people do. Oh yeah, then he got he got to about three seventy five in his like in his main state his career. Did you did you struggle with weight? Uh no, I mean I could put I mean I got three seventy five in my career. I'm in the guard. <laughs> so you were able to put it on. I I, I read like. You had to eat a, a lot of offensive linemen. I, I, I ate a lot coming out of college. I couldn't keep it on 
trying to get drafted. I, I struggled to, to stay at 300 pounds when I was trying to get drafted. I ate like 12,000 calories a day. Good gracious. Did you, how, how hard was it to stop doing that when your career ended? Uh, it was, it, uh, it wasn't hard to think me with hard to stop being like the drinking and the partying because you're like, oh, you kind of get used to that lifestyle. And, you know, you're out with the women, the fast, this, the nightlife, this, that, and the other. And like, I wasn't married at the time. Of the NFL. I didn't get married until I turned 35 and uh, I'm actually divorced now. And so by the end of my NFL career, it was just hanging out. I do my job work, but I was like, you know, young, stupid, partying, you know, all the things you shouldn't really be doing. <laughs> But but no, you so Buffalo, how cold was it up there? I've never been that far north. Oh, oh it's it's unreal. It's unreal. And you're, mean, it's, you're, it's, you're 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 North Carolina, Washington, DC, Virginia. Uh DC uh, no, I don't know. I lived in I lived in Washington, DC, then Jacksonville, then Buffalo, sorry, then Baltimore, then Buffalo, then Nashville, then I moved back to Baltimore. Now I'm in uh now I'm in outside of Raleigh. So you are about the same time temperature zone. It doesn't get too cold in this area, but you go to Buffalo. I bet you that was a wake up call. Oh my God! Yes, but I think my father is from Buffalo. Really? Born in born in born in Baxley, Georgia. Raised in Buffalo. Yep. So, tell me, I love uh, when I was younger and I could do it. I would love playing football out in the snow. You know, tackle, get hit, you catch the ball, you hurt. How hard was it to play in that type of cold? Oh man, it's it's unreal because when you hit the ground, it's cold, it's hard. You know, because we had like you know we didn't uh, we had like the um, it wasn't the synthetic grass that it is today. Yeah. So that was hard and cold. The I mean the stadiums were, were cold. The wind would blow. Um, you know the stadium really wasn't set up to like handle all the all the all the cold that was blowing in. So it's really really a lot in that regard. You know what I mean? A lot. Well. It- I'm hoping that they get you. What I hate about that is the new stadium that it looks like they're getting is going to be a dome. Yeah, but that, but that's that makes sense because the weather. I mean, that, that makes sense. Uh, I, that makes sense. Thurman Thomas didn't play in a dome. Andre Reed didn't play in a dome. Daryl Talley didn't play. I'm just, but maybe I'm. But but I mean, I love all those guys, but they didn't win a Super Bowl either. So like true. you know, it's you know, there's nothing wrong with making a change. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it'll good. Of course, they didn't ask my opinion on any of that, Marcus. Let, let me ask you, Chris. Um, I, I tell people I don't pay for Zoom. I refuse to pay for Zoom, and they're giving me a countdown now. What are you doing now? Uh, I am an inspirational keynote speaker, executive coach, business consultant, brand ambassador. I have my own podcast, Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden. I'm also a different. Uh, I'm also a business owner in businesses like Grind Oral Care. We are a toothpaste brand that's in 455 WalMarts across the country. People like celebrity chef Andre Rush are partners in our business. We're really doing well in that regard. I'm a part owner of Adult Real ID. We help uh, protect young children. I saw you have a daughter. I have a nine year old myself from predatory activity, catfishing, all kind of stuff. I'm really big on that because. You know, that's a serious problem in the world. And so we actually have uh, universities right now, like Texas A&M, bought for all their students to subscribe, uh, Princeton, Rutgers, we're talking now to BYU, Utah State University. And it's starting to really become an epidemic because it's a way to create protection for your children, for uh, and people in general, online dating, 
I just found out Uber and Lyft don't do background checks on who they hire. I just found that out like 10 minutes ago. Well, 20 minutes ago, right before this podcast. They don't do background checks. So you would Austin, think that they would do that. Austin has banned Uber and uh, Lyft from what, I, from what I was told. I don't know how factual that is. I haven't checked it yet, but that's what I was told. I was like, wow. Like, I hope that's not true. I hope that they do do background checks. I do hope they do. I really do. But if they don't, man, like, you know, and so if that's the case, Austin has banned them. I was told about somebody else this, uh, this afternoon that Austin has banned Uber and Lyft in their area. So what would be great is people like that partnering with us to help bring an extra layer of protection to people that are getting into an Uber or traveling, or if you're on, I mean, I mean I'm divorced, right? I was on, I was on online dating. I was on like Tinder and Zusk and all these things. And, you know, I got so many women like, okay, four minutes though, I'm not even saying that, but you know, okay, well, own a business, you take care of yourself, you're a good looking guy, you can't be real. You can't be real. I'm like, why not? Well, I, I don't know. I don't trust it. Can we FaceTime? Sure. I got no problem with that. But oh, you are real. So I don't, I'm so, and I don't blame them. So many women I was meeting on these apps were saying, well, how do I know you're you? And I get it, right? So adult real ID is all about making people feel safe and secure. So I'm part owner in that. And I do a lot of speaking, coaching, consulting. And of course, we have our podcast. Get Authentic with Marcus Ogden. It's in the top 1% most popular podcast worldwide. We're also, which you're interested in too, right, Jeremy, is launching a cohort program on branding, how to get on speaking stations, and how to grow and monetize your podcast. Yeah. Can you send me all this information so I can put it in the show notes, everything? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the best thing people do is, easiest way is go to marcus 360 dot com m-a-r-q-e-s 360.com or right jeremy just download our app go on your apple phone or your android phone type in on the app store marcus ogden it'll pop right up hit uh, hit subscribe you can stay up to on our website exclusive content our podcast how to connect with us the app is a great way to be able to get bam information right in your hand well, there it is. I have just uh, downloaded it. Yeah, man. It's it's. We're all about positivity. We're all about helping people. And we're all about encouragement. All right. Well, I've got about a, a minute before it kicks me. And I don't want you to think I'm just left you hanging. So thank you for coming on. If you could, just a minute, give us something positive. This podcast is about positivity. Give us something positive to, that we can leave people with. In times of extreme darkness, focus on the light, Aristotle. Aristotle meant we are the light to blaze our own trail. We are the light to move forward. And we have to do that in order to get going where we want to go. But we have to have strength, courage, and self-confidence to push through our adversity, our obstacles to get where they need to go. So in times of extreme darkness, focus on the light. Thank you. This was awesome. And can you do a favor before you, you we leave? Can you tell me? So can you say tighten up? I got to hear it. Tighten up. No, I got a <laughs> problem with that. I, you know, I played for tight. Now, hey, man, Jeff Fisher was a great coach. I mean, I didn't play for any bad coaches. I mean, I had Mike Munchik as an O-line coach. Phenomenal. I had Jim McNally. 
I was blessed man, to play for some great coaches at my position and my head coach. I didn't have a bad position coach or a bad head coach in my NFL career. Not one. Mike Munchak, that dude is insanely good at what he did. Oh, my God. Thank you, Marcus, for coming on. Appreciate you, sir. Thanks for having me on. And thank you all for listening. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. The Pigskin Tales Podcast is all about the lesser-known pro football players. Yes, there are stories about the ones we know, like Brad Tarkenton and Harold Red Grange. But have you ever heard of Ernie Nevers? How about Dave Osborne or even Grady Alderman? These men created their own path to the NFL. How did they do it? Listen to the Pigskin Tales podcast. Now streaming on your favorite music platform. Go to pigskintales.com. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.